Hey everyone, our Scrivener promotion has been extended, which means you have until May 10th to get 20% off of the Scrivener writing app. I'm using Scrivener to write out Guardian and have been noticing a lot of neat organizational aspects for it. For one thing, it lets you automatically divide books up by chapter and scene so that they can be easily formatted into any number of mediums from PDF to EPUB to publishing manuscript. I also really like the corkboard, which lets me put up all the little notes I think up for characters and scenes, and is much more convenient than storing them at the end of the Word file, or on a separate one, or on a sticky note, or text files, or all the other stuff I've been doing before. If you're thinking of trying it for yourself, you can download a 30-day free trial, and it's 30 days of actual use, so if you only use it for, say, 3 days a week, you'll get 10 weeks of being able to use it, which is pretty cool, I think. It costs $40 for the Windows version, but with the code rationally, you can bump it down to 32. Hope you find it useful. Alexander Wales. And this is episode 30, Literary Fiction. So I think the, the major part of this episode might be actually just describing what literary fiction is and what, what conflicts arise from people trying to define what literary fiction is, but why don't you give us a, give us a start with that? Okay, so the problem with any definition is that you have these corner cases, particularly if you're trying to define this distinction of literary fiction versus well, that's, that's your first problem. If you have this category called literary fiction, the other category is either commercial fiction, genre fiction, or pop fiction. People will give it the opposing thing to literary fiction. Yeah, you get different degrees of judgment, I guess. I've heard it called pulp fiction. Yeah. If we're just going to the two extremes of what we're talking about, at one extreme is um, the stuff that has like limited print runs and is read by college professors of English and almost no one else. That's the far end of the literary fiction genre. Mm -hmm. And the far end of the popular slash commercial slash genre fiction is like the Alex Cross novels, mm -hmm. bestsellers that you see in the wire racks in supermarkets, paperback. Just stuff that is printed on cheap paper and meant to be read over the course of an hour or two because you're bored or you're on an airplane or something. Right. Airport thrillers. So uh, li literary fiction exists in its own kind of genre. Uh, some people would disagree that it is a genre, and that's just sort of a style instead. Mm -hmm. And then genre fiction is like science fiction, fantasy, romance, western, horror. All those get put in the genre fiction camp. And one way of dividing the two is that literary fiction is about art, and genre fiction is about entertainment. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a popcorn thing, and then you finish, and it's done, and you don't really think about it again. Right. Yeah, I've I've heard comparisons where people will say, you know, literary fiction is like the kind of art that, if you saw it today, might one day be hanging in a museum, because it's just that special or timeless or, or whatever it is. Whereas the kinds of things that a lot of people would consider commercial art might be, you know, paintings of video game characters that some people put on Etsy or Pinterest or... Uh, art that like you know people draw in their in their doodles or even like art made for cartoons and comics art made for manga art made for animation like any anything like that is just like you know commercial it's meant for wide audiences to just appreciate and enjoy 
uh, but it's never it's never going to be hallowed or given critical praise. Right. And to some extent, if you look at like the history of art, some of modernism and postmodernism is a, a challenge of that. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Andy Warhol challenges the idea of high art with these like Campbell soup cans right. and images of Marilyn Monroe. Who's the guy who did uh, comic books? Anyway, there's this whole pop art mm-hmm. sort of movement as part of modernism. Roy Lichtenstein, that was who I'm thinking of. So, I mean, there, there is, to some extent, a reaction against that. It's sort of the same in literary fiction. I think Alan Moore does... A lot of his works have been a challenge of what it means to have art, right? Because he does uh, comic books. He's uh, written... A novel I'm actually making my way through right now is Jerusalem. But, like, Watchmen was his attempt. Watchmen is very high art. Yeah, it's his attempt to elevate the, the superhero genre into a literary work. Right. Lost Girls was his attempt to elevate erotica mm-hmm. and fan fiction, because it's it's uh, Wizard of Oz and Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's like this erotic tale with these three women. It takes place in Austria at, on the onset of World War One. But whenever you make this distinction between literary fiction and pop fiction, you're going to have people who challenge that distinction, and you're going to have corner cases, right? Right. It's, it's very popular for literary critics to say that certain things transcend their genre. Vonnegut's one that they do a lot. So it's it's very common for, for critics to say that a work is elevated out of its genre. Vonnegut's very common example for people to use. Uh, Slaughterhouse-Five is, on the one hand, the sort of almost plotless, meditative reflection on Von Gut's time as prisoner of war and the firebombing of Dresden and the nature of coming back from the war and stuff like that. And on the other hand, it's about time travel and aliens and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of Von Gut's stuff is science fiction like that. And then critics will come along and say, no, 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 it's, it's, it's literary fiction. It's genre is meaningless. So a lot of what, a lot of what they, what people mean when they say literary fiction is they mean good fiction. That's, that's one of the things that when people start on these definitions of literary fiction versus genre fiction or commercial fiction, they just, they're just talking about how good it is, which is kind of a dumb thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. Cause they're arguing, they're arguing things like, uh, Lolita against pulp fiction. Right. You know, like Dick Tracy or, Tarzan. And it's worth knowing that when we're talking about this divide of whether we should consider literary fiction a genre or a style, that eventually is, that's probably going to lead us to the discussion of how rational fiction can also be dis- defined as either a genre or a style. I think there was a, right. a big debate about right. this somewhat recently on, on a certain form. And, yes. you know, whether you go one way or the other on, on whether they're considered genres or styles, the same kinds of conversations can be had on both, including, I would say, a sort of backlash against the idea of literary fiction as a as an elevated style, because similar to people who see other people who see rational fiction as an elevated style, kind of respond angrily to that the same way people respond angrily to the idea that other people see literary fiction as an elevated style, because then it reflects poorly on things that aren't considered literary fiction. Yeah. So if, if you hate literary fiction, <laughs> if you hate literary fiction, you probably think of it as this like pretentious artsy stuff that it is not enjoyable to read mm-hmm. and doesn't really you know if it's not if it's not enjoyable to read why do people read it right they, they read it for the purpose of signaling that's the sort of a stereotype of book clubs where people will pick an elevated literary book and then no one reads it they just say that they read it for the sake of looking cultured yes 
right? It's it's like a, a class distinction to some extent, and you're just signaling virtue by saying that you've read these books that you haven't actually read, or you read them and you don't really like them, but the sort of dissection of them and looking at themes and stuff, that's part of being upper class. Yeah. Whereas anyone can go read one of the Alex Cross books or a Tom Clancy spy thriller. Mm-hmm. That's that's like a low class type thing. Yeah, there's definitely a, a barrier to entry for literary work just on a technical writing slash reading level that makes it elevated in that sense, where it's easier for people to it's easier for certain people to hold forth that it is a elevated art form because it's using an elevated writing and reading style language, an elevated language, which is which is definitely true if that is the metric of value for work or one of the metrics of value for work. There's no question that generally speaking. what's considered literary fiction is going to be more challenging and more complex and richer use of language. Yeah, it's sort of, if you think, if you make an analogy of food, what people define as commercial fiction is like a hot dog that you get from a street vendor, and literary fiction is like a five-course meal at a restaurant. I would even say it might be that popular fiction would be considered you go to a steakhouse and you get like a steak and mashed potatoes and like a side of greens or something. And that's, that's, that's your popular fiction thing that a lot of people can go to the steakhouse and enjoy. But when you're talking about literary fiction, you're talking about going to a premium steakhouse where everything's a la carte. And if you order a steak, you get like, you know, a small, perfectly cut piece of meat for like $50. Yeah. But I mean, there's, you know, it's one of those things where on the one hand, we're talking about how difficult it is Mm -hmm. and how good it is right there's there's a lot i've read a lot of literary fiction i was uh i was an english major i I double majored in english and computer science because i'm not like crazy um (laughs) but i've read a ton of literary fiction and a lot of it's bad but it's bad in a different way that genre fiction is Mm -hmm. right a lot of genre fiction has these cardboard characters and these simple plots, and it just, you know, it's formulaic and it's cliche. That's that's the way that, uh, and it's got very simple prose, right? Mm-hmm. So you just are sort of going through it at warp speed. That's the way that a lot of so-called commercial fiction is bad. A lot of literary fiction is bad in the sense that it's not compelling. It's just dense for the sake of being dense, and it's it's sad for the sake of being sad. I've challenged this idea before also, though, that like because of the glorification of literary fiction, there are obviously many people who write in the literary fiction style, and they're trying to emulate classical literary themes and writing style, and like that's what they like, and that's what they, they consider high art, so they're trying to do it themselves. And that in itself leads to quite a lot of samey, cookie-cutter stories. Like, you know, the one of the classic jokes is... I don't know if it's a classic joke or not. One of the jokes... I've, I've heard a lot is that, you know, someone's writing a story about a college professor who's cheating with one of his students and having an existential midlife crisis while his mother dies of cancer or something like that. And it's like, this is the kind of thing that, you know, if you enjoy that sort of story, great, but it seems almost exclusively found in literary fiction or things that aspire to be literary fiction. Yeah. Because otherwise, you generally speaking, don't wouldn't care about any of those things again unless you you really are interested in, in that kind of story but it seems like you like there are people who consider a story about someone chasing down a murderer a story about someone who has magical powers a story about someone who you know fights monsters in their dreamscape or whatever it is like these are all things outside of literary fiction to many people uh, and if you bring up people like Ray Bradbury or 
H.G. Wells or, you know, people from like the classic era of, of science fiction and say, you know, aren't those considered literary fiction? There's kind of an exception to them because they're so far back. But I've, I, what, one of the frustrations I've had is it's trying to get people who, who, who define literary fiction a certain way to demonstrate how genre fiction that meets a lot of the same requirements as, as literary fiction still doesn't still isn't considered literary fiction. Yeah. Um, and that's where you get that that sort of these corner cases, mm-hmm. right? There, there, there are pieces of literary fiction that are more plot heavy, where more things go on. I think part of the reason that there's this idea of literary fiction as having less to do with plot and more to do with characters is just the influence of modernism. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Don DeLillo's White Noise is this meandering, plotless story about this college professor who's he's like a a professor of like Hitler studies, but he mm-hmm. can't speak German to his great shame. And it just, it just wanders all over the place and there's no plot and it, but that's like a modernism thing, mm-hmm. right? That's not a literary fiction thing necessarily, but I think that's one of the reasons that, that there's that association because yeah, the, the modernist thing was just this destruction of, of all the staples of literature, much to its detriment to, to just say that you're going to do away with plot or you're going to not, have character growth or stuff, you're going to be more real and you're just going to explore the the totality of literature rather than doing things the way they've been done. And that's noble in some senses, but I think it makes for a lot of bad literature. Yeah. And a lot of people who read that kind of stuff were educated, I want to say college liberals. Mm-hmm. I mean, I again, I, I majored in English, so it's not... <laughs> you're allowed to say it. <laughs> yeah, it's not allowed to say it. But... So there, that's part of the reason for that association, right? Um, and I think that you have, when, when you talk about literary fiction, it's sort of split in a bunch of different ways, right? Mm-hmm. You have you have those people who are seeking out this much more old style form, and you know they're they're trying to do elevated art like their ancestors did, right? Right. And then the, there are these other people who are trying to do art as this sort of reactionary thing against pop culture. Yeah. And they're both, those are both literary fiction, but they're very different kinds. Yeah. And I think as, insofar as literary fiction turns off a lot of people, I think it can kind of be, be boiled down to a pretentiousness that, that some people see permeating it. For, for me at least, I think I would be much less, I would, I would have much less of an averse reaction to literary fiction, I think, if there weren't literary fiction fans. Yeah. If that, if that makes sense. It's kind of a, if people weren't trying to put a divide between literary fiction and non-literary fiction and have one as inherently elevated over the other, I would probably be much less likely to talk about the flaws I have with literary fiction because it would just be another style of, of writing that some people like and some people don't or that some, some books are good in and the vast majority is bad in like any other genre. But that can that same argument can be made for things that I do like, like rational fiction. There can be people who who can definitely say that you know, if rational fiction was just a a genre or a style thing, then fine. But there's the rational the people who read rational fiction, the writers of rational fiction, think that it's an inherently better form of of storytelling, which is something that we've we've talked about before. And and you know, there's there are arguments that can be made for or against it. But what I think is the common thread between both that turns me off regardless whether it's rational fiction or literary fiction, is pretentiousness. Without without pretentiousness, I think literary fiction is fine, and rational fiction doesn't doesn't creep over into into the problems that literary fiction has. 
which means that we, we, we really have to discuss like what pretentiousness is, right? And, yeah. and what, it, what it looks like in writing and, and an attitude surrounding a story. You know, I've, I've been told, I, I get, um, a bunch of reviews through fanfiction.net, mm-hmm. right? And, and I get, uh, I've been told on a number of occasions now that what I write is pretentious. And I don't, I don't necessarily disagree, mm-hmm. right? Cause I think, you know, am I trying to say something about the human condition as I write or about like good and evil or whatever? Yeah. I mean, I am. I'm, I'm attempting to, say something i don't just want i don't just want the thrills right i don't just want what i write to be popcorn right most of the time i think i i sometimes write things that are just intended as a fun adventure or whatever but other times i want to say something about something and i think that's where pretentiousness comes from mm-hmm. i think where people fail a lot is when they when they say that art has to do that or that that's like the, the nature and purpose of art. I think a lot of people who are really into literary fiction will do that. They'll they'll feel like if you're reading Discworld, you're you're just sort of doing it for ignoble reasons. Uh-huh. Whereas if you read The Corrections by Jonathan Franzen, that's you're revealing something to yourself about the world. It's right. you're interacting with reality on a higher level. I've I've heard people say that that and you know The Corrections is mostly famous for having gotten into the Oprah book club and then Jonathan Franzen was like, I don't want it in the Oprah book club because mm-hmm. it's not, you know, these people aren't going to appreciate it. Right. And that's, <laughs> that's pretension. Yeah. That's, that's the bad kind of wanting to say something is like people aren't good enough to, for your, to read your, your not that great novel. Yeah. It's important for me to compare pretentiousness with, with arrogance. There's a level where being proud of your work is totally not just acceptable but good like I, i'm totally down with people being like if you're good at something own it and be be willing to say that this is something that i'm good at as long as you're also willing to admit that things you're bad at or accept criticism and all that good stuff but to be proud of being pretentious is kind of like being proud of being arrogant it's not about your work it's about your attitude like where yeah. you like the idea that this turns people off like as a writer for me i don't want to turn anyone off of reading my work like if if the more people who read my work and enjoy it and get something out of it the better i don't ever want to say like my story is not for people who don't like to think well my story is not for people who aren't willing to read deeper into the story or or anything like that the more people that enjoy my story on on whatever levels the better but a pretentious to me a pretentious person would be like you said like the kind of person who's like this isn't for the unwashed masses this is just for people who appreciate high art or are looking for a challenge in their reading or things like that yeah I mean, I, I, I grew up reading Stephen King. I was reading him when I was like 12 or 13 years old. And something about his writing style just spoke to me like on a on a deep level. Like regardless of the criticisms I have sometimes of his stories and his plotting and things like that, like the writing style itself is just so direct and clean that when he says, as he has in a few author's notes, that he's allergic to pretense and never never really enjoyed his literary fiction classes and the culture that kind of spring up around, sprung up around it in creative writing university classes. I, I, I get that because he's, his writing is meant for everyone. But just because it's meant for everyone doesn't mean that there isn't depths to it. There aren't depths to it. Yeah, I'm actually the opposite way. I grew up, I grew up with literary fiction because that's mostly what was around our house. I didn't really discover genre fiction until probably my late teens. And like Vonnegut spoke to me. And I was like, yeah, this is like so, I don't know. Vonnegut is not, a, I think, a traditional author of literary fiction, but like Virginia Woolf is is more 
typical of the genre. And, and that sort of thing sort of, in part, it is that class thing, right? Mm-hmm. When you read literary fiction, it's easier to f- feel like you're bettering yourself than if you are reading like John Ringo or what are some other people I have on my shelf? <laughs> There's, there, there are plenty of popcorn books that I've read that I'd forgot. I actually, I used to, I used to remember every single book I'd, I'd ever read, but somewhere around uh, undergrad, I, I started re- realizing that I'd, I'd been forgetting books. Like I would look at a book and be like, I think I've read this, but I can't remember anything about it. And it tended to be the, the pop, the popcorn books. It tended to be things like, um, Warhammer 40k kind of books or things that were just yeah. very very similar and 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 churny but that's less to do with I think with the with the style or anything like that as it is to do just with the contents content itself you know like there are there are liter, literary books like Bridge to Terabithia that made me cry when I read it um, as a kid I think I think it's meant to make people cry like it makes everyone not everyone but it makes many people cry when they read it right um, and like I always think of, of many literary books that I enjoy like Lord of the Flies and things like that like I have nothing against literary fiction but there are people who i have seen argue that like you said like you can't get the same things you can get from literary fiction from genre fiction uh someone was talking about name of the wind and they very dismissively said something like you know uh it's just a book about a boy who thinks he's smarter than everyone else and you just get to see him stroke off his ego throughout the story I'm like, that's all you got from from Name of the Wind? <laughs> like, is that if that's because if that's like, I kind of understood when he said that, just how the gap between my perspective and his, and in, in terms of like how I must come off to him if I say that literary fiction isn't as great as everyone says. Because for him to say that to me demonstrated that there is just a like a whole world of experience within genre fiction books that he just doesn't get. Right? If I can if I can read The Name of the Wind and feel like everything from sadness to elation to you know rage and and all these things and get all these like really like deep experiences from it and he can't and all he gets from it is that very kind of surface thing then it might just be a difference of of taste that that different people don't have right like there's whether it's because they were raised in on a certain kind of fiction or um just their own what what their own preferences are that kind of thing but the problem comes when those preferences are used to judge the other side Terry Goodkind, who wrote the Sword of Truth epic fantasy series, once infamously insisted that he doesn't write fantasy, he writes stories with important human themes, quote-unquote, like the two are mutually exclusive, which is really common where people say that literary fiction is about real life, so it'll teach you about the human condition more than some book about wizards and dragons will. And that mentality, besides being short-sighted, is just not true for a lot of readers. I mentioned Bridge to Terabithia making me cry when I was a kid, but it made me cry due to something that felt very manufactured, especially looking back on it. Like, it came after, like, four-fifths of the story, all of which was leading up to this one moment that was probably at least half the reason why the story was written in the first place. On the other hand, when I think of genre fiction and the reasons I've cried while reading them, it's always for something that's just a part of the story. Like, I never think that's the point of the book or that the writer's intention was just to write this book to make people cry, or to explore sadness for the sake of exploring sadness. But if I'm sucked in deep enough, and that's what's happening in the story, I'll be there with them, and I'll just experience it with the characters. I mean, hell, Ender's Game made me cry within the very first chapter of the book. Like, the last line of the first chapter just hit hard to 13-year-old me. 
and it's the only book that's ever done that and then the the second chapter did the same thing like it was just like in no no literary book that i've ever read was able to accomplish that and of course part of that was for personal reasons like i was able to relate to the protagonist in ways that not everyone would but people who say that literary fiction is about important things and genre fiction is just about entertainment like it's it's hard not to pity them a little bit because it's not just about like fiction making you cry is about every emotion and learning different perspectives and all the great mind expanding results of reading in the first place and thinking that can only come from literary fiction is is pretentiousness ultimately that's what it is but that pretentiousness can very easily a- apply to genre fiction fans too yeah people who can say you know that literary fiction is all terrible and and boring and stupid and and pointless uh, and only only genre fiction has the real like i don't know salt of the earth kind of emotion and enjoyment and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, which I think people have to be careful of too. Yeah, right. The, there, there is an argument that I see with somewhat, some regular, with some regularity that literary fiction is just people reading books that they're supposed to like mm-hmm. and not actually enjoying them and just, just lying about it. I right, guess. right. Which is a, you know, not true mm-hmm. for one. <laughs> Uh, I think I think just saying that people who like literary fiction don't actually like literary fiction. I think that's a total failure to model other people's minds. Right. Anyway, so you want to move on to rational fiction versus literary fiction. Yeah. So um, I think that rational fiction and literary fiction share a lot of characteristics. First and foremost, probably being that most rational fiction doesn't. And I gotta be careful about generalizing right, here, right. but if most rational fiction doesn't focus on plot so heavily, and it doesn't focus so much on being popcorn, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the exceptions there are I occasionally see in rational fiction people just doing power fantasy, except it's intelligence rather than brute strength or superpowers or whatever. Yeah, and sometimes it's it's intelligence and superpowers. Right, competence porn is the phrase that I I don't remember where I first read it, but when I first read it, I think it was in reference to the Martian, but it might have been in reference to some some comic Fleep. Like yeah, from, from the was, writer of Demons. Yeah, Fleep. Right, right. That's where I first heard it. That when I, when I heard that phrase, and I was yes, perfect. This is exactly what it is to me because like there's this an enjoyment of seeing people be competent. I don't know to what degree that arises from frustration at incompetence in stories i would like to see how many people who are turned off by incompetence of main characters and stories specifically seek out competence fiction opposed to people who can enjoy both like maybe some people could watch that new the new horror movie that came out life and and not be just glaringly <laughs> infuriated by the sheer incompetence of the characters in the, in the movie as astronauts no less it's meant to be very intelligent and, and competent people. Uh-huh. But, like, maybe, you know, people can enjoy a movie like like Life and also seek out and enjoy competence porn. But I think a, a large degree of, of, of that in rational fiction, seeing intelligent characters be competent and, and fulfill that kind of power fantasy that comes with gaming a system or munchkinning something comes from this feeling of lacking that in other fiction. Yeah, that's one of the things that I think rational fiction and liter- literary fiction share is this... There's this reactionary element to it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that's at all typical of literary fiction throughout history, but I think that's sort of the state that literary fiction is in now, is that it's, it's reactionary against the commercialized sort of Hollywood or the author mills, right? Because a lot of, a lot of the, right. uh, these paperback books that you buy in supermarkets, 
are they're turned out by ghostwriters. Yeah, I actually recently found out that James Patterson James Patterson has ghostwriters that just write under his name and like under his direction. Yeah. And like pay him to like that was that blew my mind and like it's genius but at the same time it's like that's it's amazing to me that that's a thing that that happens. Yeah, and so a lot of uh, current literary fiction is a reaction against what is lacking in popular commercial fiction. Yeah, they right? don't like the, the, the anti-paint-by-numbers story. Right, and that's a lot of modernism is that, too. It's this, like, let's tear down genre conventions and let's let's ditch plot, let's focus on characters and this, like, heavy emotion that you don't really get from much commercial fiction, right? So, so this is this is the thing, right? This is where I think a lot of the argument rises up in me because, again, maybe I'm just reading a different kind of of popular fiction than the people who who dislike it. But like to me, the, the all the best popular fiction deals with character driven, emotion driven stories, right? Like plots can be can be a nice appeal. They can they can draw me into a story, but they won't keep it in my memory. There are a lot of really really popular genre fiction stories that I actually think are, are very overhyped or uh, not as great as people say they are just because you know the plot is okay but the characters fall flat and i think that the danger of, of rational fiction becoming having the negatives of literary fiction to me would be if rational fiction started focusing which is something we've talked about too like focusing too much on descriptions and its details and the lessons it wants to teach and sacrifices character and emotion along the way yeah and literary fiction, like it may, even if it focuses on a character's emotions, there's a degree to which literary fiction can do that and sacrifice, for lack of a better word, passion along the way. Yeah. Like you can have you can have a very deep and focused story or even like chapter about how sad someone feels about a thing and how depressed they feel about a thing or how much they lust over someone, and it just comes off as almost like an alien transcribing how a human feels. Yeah. Because you just, if you don't care about the character and you don't care about the struggle and you don't care about what they want, their emotions are meaningless to you. Yeah, and a lot of that's because literary fiction deals with unhappiness or sort of uncomfortable alien mm -hmm. things to begin with, right? Like that's And that's part of a reaction against commercial fiction, right? Because there's a whole lot of commercial fiction out there. I mean, romance is think the biggest uh, seller as far mm -hmm. as literature goes, right? If you want to make money and you can like pump out books, you should write romances because that's like the biggest, the biggest market. Yeah. And so anyone can get like a romance there. So you don't see romances in literary fiction because they are seen as unliterary. So you, you miss out on romance if you read literary fiction for the most part, or if they're romances, they're unhappy romances. They're like people, you know, Love and Time Cholera or something. Right, right. Classical stories that are literary that have romance in them, I think people would think of like Wuthering Heights or, or um, Pride and Prejudice, right? Where the romance is, is kind of not, not particularly enjoyable, I would say. Like, you, you're not, you're not reading, you're not reading the romance for, for escapism into it. Right. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm mischaracterizing that, but that's kind of the impression that's, that's popping into my head right now. Like, I don't know how many, people would be reading Pride and Prejudice and, and being like, you know, oh, this is just so romantic. Yeah. Well, no, Pride and Prejudice, I would disagree on. Wuthering Heights. Wuthering Heights, yeah. sorry. I th I'm thinking of Wuthering Heights. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Pride and Prejudice is the sort of like, oh, I hate him so much, but actually I'm in love with him. He's so dashing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm totally okay with people saying rational fiction isn't a genre and it's a style. I think it, the, the merits to that argument, and I would fight against the characterization of rational fiction as pretentious, 
The same way I would say that literary fiction doesn't have to be pretentious. If there is pretentiousness in the in the work or in the audience, that's what should be combated and challenged and, and cut out if possible. But just like we can say with rational fiction that the, the, the goal is not to be exclusionary. Yeah. It's just to focus on something that we appreciate in stories. Literary work, same thing. Like it's 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 just trying to focus down on something that certain people like that they can't find in, in popular fiction. Yeah. And again, just going on to pretentiousness, for me, like there's a there's a big difference between I have something to say in my story and I want my story to be about this and saying that my story must be about this to the exclusion and hindrance of all else. I had a friend who came to me in, in undergrad and wanted to write a, a science fiction story. And they ran it by me and they were like, you know, what do you think of this? And basically it was a story that had a very Romeo and Juliet theme to it. And the goal of the story, in their own words, the goal of the story was to get to the ending where both both main characters would, would you know, die tragically over their love for each other. And I was like, okay, you know, that's if that's if that's the kind of story you want to write, that's fine. And but as we were going over the story, like I was pointing out some contradictions and problems that the story might have had, and and plot holes and characterizations that just didn't seem to fit and seemed erratic, and the resistance to changing anything in the story in order to get to that ending that they wanted. That's, I mean, that's bad writing in general, in my view. That's that's what bad writing is. But in and of itself, wanting to get to that goal is not pretentious saying that my idea is just so amazing that it doesn't matter how entertaining or intelligible or engaging the rest of the story is, that's pretentious. And that's something that you can see in, in literary fiction or, or rational fiction. People that will say that rational fiction is too focused on being didactic and, and not focused on being engaging, to an extent that I see that in any story, I would agree. Like that's, that's a bad goal for a story to have. Stories should be entertaining first and foremost, because once you get to the point where you're saying that once you're doing away with the enjoyment of the reader, then then why why don't I just read a textbook? Yeah, you know? there's a level where if you're saying, don't worry whether my story is entertaining, don't worry whether you want to read it, just read it because it'll make you smarter. That's a potential failure mode of both literary fiction and rational fiction. Yeah. And I think that, again, insofar as you see that, that failure, you want to fight it in both of them because... If you think you're the only person, your ideas are so important or unique that no one else could, could express them in a more entertaining way than you, you're probably wrong. Yeah. Whether it's literary fiction or rational fiction, like the the story and the entertaining quality has to come first. Yeah. And if, if it's entertaining to different people, that's fine. Like, you know, not everyone's going to be entertained by the same stuff. Like we've, we've talked before about how some people like more world building and detail and some people like more plot plot focus and that kind of thing. But you should always be, be focused on making keeping the story engaging. Yeah. I, I think there's also the, the signaling risk mm -hmm. where you're just writing rational fiction that is name checking a lot of cognitive biases or, yes. or whatever, because that's, that's for your in group in the same way that a lot of literary fiction has just like obscure references to uh, impressionist artists or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's not serving the story. It's serving a signaling purpose to your audience. Which is maybe okay if you, I don't know. I'm not sure how okay it is to, to have a hyper-specific audience that you're just giving fan service to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I've I've thought about in Pokemon, like if I ever were to go back and start do some doing some heavy editing, I would probably focus a lot less on name dropping certain fallacies and just focus more on showing them. Yeah. And then just kind of kind of having a a briefer description of them. 
through what was shown in the story. Uh, the problem with that is that, you know, because it's a rationalist story, I want the main character to explicitly be aware of and, and try to fight these things. But, yeah, that comes off of the writer's skill then, in, in terms of how well they can they can do that without sacrificing engagement in, uh, through the through the writing process or, you know, not or keeping it from being very in-groupy so that someone who's not aware of these fallacies already and interested in, in learning about them would just be like, this is, um, this is textbook. I feel like I'm reading a textbook now. Yeah. So writing literary fiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just saw your note in the, in the email. Be pretentious is probably correct. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think having something to say, having something to say and attempting your best at saying that thing that you think is important to be said, you just got to do it in the right way. Yeah. Don't drop anvils especially for writing literary fiction, mm-hmm. right? But if you want to talk about ennui or alcoholism or your messed up family or something like that, or like the effects of post-traumatic stress disorder or something mm-hmm. like that, that's, I mean, I think that the, it is valid to write about that stuff. And for some people is important, but it's kind of pretentious, right? To, to talk about serious, heady things that you think that you have something to say about. So I would say that these are the kinds of things that can very easily become pretentious. They don't have to be, because if someone is writing a story about the ravages of war on, on soldiers and the psyche, that's something that I think can be very character-focused and plot-focused and deal with the kind of like day-to-day life that, that the effects it has on them without being pretentious in the sense of unentertaining, right? Like, if yeah. it doesn't have to be a story about happiness to get enjoyment out of it for it to be art art is about inspiring emotions regardless of what that emotion is there's a, a video game that came out somewhat recently called papers please uh, have, you, have you heard of it or played it yeah i played it yeah it's a very unfun game but it's not meant to be fun and some people could describe it as pretentious and they might be right in calling it that but i don't think it it is necessarily i just think it's art it's meant to be it's meant to convey an experience and an emotion to the reader that is not happy and it's very easy to confuse unfun, non-happy experiences as just being the realm of, pre- of pretense and literary stories and art. There's a difference between being engaging and being fun. As long as a story is engaging, it doesn't have to necessarily be all about the funnest thing. Yeah. But, you know, like just like there can be a happy, enjoyable story that does have dark themes to it, there can be a dark, dark story with negative emotions that are experienced through it that still has lighter moments or, you know, comedic relief or things like that that break the notion that the writer is just sitting at their at their computer trying to make people feel miserable for the sake of, of evoking emotion from them. Yeah. And I don't know. I, if, if you want to write literary fiction, I think going, obviously, for something to be called literary fiction, there's sort of a standard of a higher level of prose, mm-hmm. right? Just like a better vocabulary and better better imagery and stuff. That's... That's partly, partly I want to say a class thing again, but there's that, but it, it's also, there's the defiance of genre conventions, which as we've talked about many times before is something you have to be really careful with because those conventions ex- exist for a reason and you need to know, you need to know why you're breaking convention mm-hmm. and you need to, to understand what it is you're doing when you do that. Cause anyone can write a downer ending, right? That doesn't make sense. Something deep. It doesn't make it deep. It doesn't make it good. It doesn't make it literary. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there are a lot of non-literary works that are just tragedies. You know, if if you want to write about something complex and have a complex ending, I think that's the way to do literary fiction. 
right? Where you don't, you want to leave someone with something to chew on. A lot of people who are like book critics will talk about literary fiction as being that. You, you leave commercial fiction and it just sort of leaves your brain. Right. Because it, it was pooped out in like two months of writing and whatever. Uh, whereas literary fiction is supposed to be stuff that sort of makes an impression on you. I think that's a bad way of distinguishing between the two because well, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's a lot of commercial fiction. It, it's, it's a blurry line. There's a lot of stuff that is literary and commercial at the same time. Right. And I think that's a way of distinguishing the two that honestly just kind of speaks to a lack of reading the right kind of genre fiction. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I feel like there's just a lot of, a lot of genre fiction that is just better than other genre fiction. And if you don't encounter that genre fiction, it's easy to, to judge genre fiction by the worst of it. Whereas literary fiction, you tend to read what's considered quote unquote the best literary fiction opposed to the mass of it. Because most people who, who do not specifically seek out literary fiction have read some due to, you know, school courses, high school courses, uh, undergrad courses, things like that. So they've got, the Virginia Woolf, they've got the Great Gatsby and stuff like that on one on one side, and they, and they can see that and be like, yeah, literary fiction is deep and has meaningful themes and and complex characters or whatever. Whereas the pop culture, the pop fiction that they might read could be just romance, like you said, you know, it's, you know, might be all they've read of it is, is romance or whatever. Or if they if they avoid science fiction and fantasy stories, potentially they 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 could potentially miss out on on the best those genres have to offer and just think of them as sword and sorcery nonsense. Yeah. Like, if, if you don't read science fiction at all, you might think it's all Star Wars. Yes. Right? Exactly. And if you don't read fantasy, you might think that it's all, like, D&D. Yeah. Which is not to say that there aren't good D&D stories, but a lot of it is total garbage. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of how to write literary fiction, I mean, I, I would, I might say to people, like, there's maybe a difference between rational fiction and literary fiction for me. I might tell people not to write literary fiction. Like, don't try to write literary fiction. If you're trying to write literary fiction, to me, that sounds like you're trying to. Because literary fiction is, is a, I think, a label that's placed by other people more than anything, I feel like it's it's something that you're trying to get the esteem of a particular class of people. You know, I don't want to say old white men in ivory towers, but yeah, like there's there's a certain type of people who will be more likely to classify your work as literary or not, and if they don't, then it doesn't really matter what you consider your work. Right. And that to me is is a kind of disqualifying criterion for whether or not someone should try to should want to or try to write literary fiction but maybe it's up to the individual to decide whether that's that's a metric that they care about rational fiction for me is more ground up than that i think there are much clearer like as hard to pin down as they might be and 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 as contentious as they might be within the community some of them i think there are still more objective metrics for what rational fiction is so if someone's trying to write rational fiction i would see that as, as just trying to follow these rules that they consider objectively useful yeah. for writing good fiction or writing fiction that they particularly would want to enjoy. Whereas for literary fiction, like you said, I would, I would mostly just think like you're trying to write something that you think is important and you're trying to write it in a language that is effortfully complex. You're trying to make it more more complex than, than it might otherwise be. You might spend more time on the prose than a genre fiction writer would. Yeah, I think part of the reason that people write literary fiction is that they want to produce something that is art rather than popcorn yeah i don't want to disparage that that last thing i said of trying to write elevated art like there definitely is a elevated form of language that literary fiction tends to capture much more than genre fiction does and if that's something that you enjoy and you find value in then absolutely you know go for it because there's this 
this Venn diagram of this middle space of a Venn diagram in my head between literary fiction and what would, might not be considered literary fiction by that previous class of people I talked about. You know, like if if someone was was holding House of Leaves up um, by Mark Z. Dalawinski. Yep. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name right. Like to me, that's literature. Yeah. I don't I don't care whether other people consider it that or not. Like to me, it it uses it uses a a very countercultural, not countercultural, like just breaking the mold, trying to do something different, and at times very artistic uh, language to write something very different than most horror stories would have would would be. Yeah. If if that same story was told by Stephen King, it would not it would not have the same impact. It would not it would not be as as unique as it was. And I think I think the strongest argument for trying to intentionally write literary fiction is that you want that you want to get that impact that lasting impact to people where people finish the book and then they're still thinking about it a month later right which if you're writing a murder mystery is a lot harder to get yeah just because you're not dealing with as complex of things or if you're dealing with complex things they're usually in regards to plot rather than characterization which is not to say that you can't do a literary murder mystery, but right. the typical murder mystery is not that. Yeah, all of a sudden, my previous thing of saying I, people shouldn't try to write literary fiction, uh, what I'll say instead is just that I would encourage people to focus more on the objective value of literary fiction rather than the idea that you're trying to... Because I feel like it's very it's much easier to fall into the, the failure mode if you're specifically setting out to write literary fiction. The failing mode, again, being I have something just so important to say that I don't care how entertaining my story is. Right. I don't care how engaging the writing is. I don't care how immersive the dialogue is. I don't care how likable the characters are. Not even likable, because you can have unlikable characters, obviously, but realistic. It's easier to fall into those failure modes when you are setting out to write something that will have an impact from a, from a macro level of like the story as a whole. But if there is something that you want to specifically write about, absolutely go for it. And if you want to elevate the story through its through its prose and its writing and just doing something different that most popular fiction would not then yeah that's that's fine yeah if you can do it do you have any recommendations most of mine are for for literary fiction are more for things that are more corner cases mm-hmm. right like um love grossman's magicians is literary fiction but it's like a fantasy take on harry potter and chronicles of narnia and stuff like that but it's, I mean, it's literary fiction. Love Grossman writes in the literary style, and then he's a, a book reviewer for, I think, New York Times or something like that. I really that. do need to read those. I still haven't. Um, I'm, I've only watched the first season of the show. Yeah. Christopher Buhlman wrote The Necromancer's House, which is about, it's basically the uh, college professor who is like an alcoholic, and mm-hmm. he has this pretty co-ed he's tutoring, except he's a necromancer instead of a college professor. <laughs> So, so this is the kind of thing to me, like, this is what, this is, these are the things that will, will get me to read a story. This kind of idea that's like, it's, it's something interesting like that. And then whether I'll care about the story and, and it'll have an impact on me will come from how good the writing is and how good the, how engaging the characters are and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And, yeah, like, literary, the literary fiction that I have to recommend, it would be, like I said, like, House of Leaves is, is one that, it's not, it might not be considered literary fiction. Like, you know, I can recommend literary fiction that I that I enjoyed back when I had to read it. I mean, I would tell anyone that's never read Lord of the Flies, you know, probably, you should probably read Lord of the Flies. It's a really, it's a really good story and a really good book. And the same goes for other classic books like Grapes of Wrath or The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. I don't know to what degree I would recommend literary fiction over 
modern stories, because something that I've said before that I still kind of think is true is that culture tends to glorify the the past without acknowledging how it can do. like a lot of literary fiction that that got so famous got famous because it did it first but i'm pretty sure you could write the same themes and the same ideas in a more engaging way today i'm pretty sure authors have written about the same things and, and things in a more engaging way today but they're never going to be taught in english class because they didn't do it earlier and they're not written in the literary style yeah well i, I mean there are a lot of like modern literary authors and most of mine are, are science fiction mm-hmm. or fantasy who literary critics will argue are s- somehow outside their genre mm-hmm. right like I, I like most of the stuff I've read by Margaret Atwood. Yeah, Orcs and Craig was great. Handmaid's Tale. Was, it's just it just comes down to genre. Like even even when it comes to non-literary work, I tend to like fantasy and science fiction more than I do realistic fiction. So my recommendations for literary fiction are going to fall on that on that spectrum too. Yeah. Did you ever read uh, Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro? No. Is that the same author that wrote Kafka by the Sea? Kafka on the Shore. Sorry. No, that was Haruki Murakami. Never mind. Go ahead. Uh, I, I like Never Let Me Go, but it's like very literary, but it's it's also science fiction. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, part of that is the argument of science fiction and fantasy as being able to touch at things that a work set in like the last hundred years mm-hmm. can't do as well, just because you can explore new ideas and stuff. But a, a lot of my favorite literary fiction is is more modern stuff, and it's more science fiction and or fantasy. Yeah. Kafka on the Shore, again, like another Japanese, another Japanese author who, who's writing modern literary fiction. It's very, like if you read it, it's very much written in the, in the style of literary fiction. But plot-wise, you know, there's like talking cats and evil, mysterious man that's like straight out of something from Stephen King and stuff like that. So, yeah. I'm sure we'll be talking about literary fiction again at some point. But at least finally now we've gotten our thoughts on the topic out there. I'm glad that we, we finally did this episode. Looking forward to the comments. I'm interested to see what people say. <laughs> Maybe there's something that we should have mentioned or what people think we got totally wrong. Yeah. Feel free to let us know. Stay tuned after the outro for a book recommendation. We'll pick one of those and one of us will, will give a, a stirring <laughs> recommendation to some, liter- some literary fiction book that we can, we can recommend, I'm sure. Right. Thanks for listening. Audible is offering a free 30-day trial with book credit, which you can take advantage of if you'd like to support the show. My recommendation for this week is The Necromancer's House by Christopher Buhlman. I'm recommending it here because it's literary fiction that straddles the line into genre, specifically fantasy. It has the qualities of literary fiction that I most enjoy, the prose has careful beauty to it, the themes are heavy, and it avoids most of the power fantasy and wish fulfillment that I think bloats the fantasy genre. At the same time, it doesn't fall into the literary traps of doing away with plot in order to focus on character study, or focusing too much on pretty prose at the expense of everything else. The plot centers around a recovering alcoholic who's dealing with the realities of middle age. He also happens to be a practicing warlock. In literary fashion, much is made of tying the fantastic elements to the underlying human ones. Along the way, it dips into Russian folklore, May-December romances, and the costs of Andy. I enjoyed it, and hope that you do too. To get the audiobook, go to audible.com rational and start your trial today.